Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Welcome to another edition of The Way with Vanoa. I'm really excited because I have been cyber-stalking this woman's Facebook page. <laughs> I have some people in common with her, as well as apparently some of my friends are working on our campaign, and I never bother to say, hey, Anoa, we got this awesome candidate until recently we got the conversation. <laughs> we have this awesome candidate who's running in a really great race, you know, um, and we're all about, you know, turning it blue and getting out the vote for good people doing good work. Well, I like to look at it as not just that we're simply, you know, people talk about, you know, we need to flip it blue. We actually need people who, who are on the ballot, who are going to do the work, who are going to represent our interests. And so I'm sitting here talking with Shelly Hutchinson, who is running in Georgia House District 107. How are you? Doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, tell us just a little bit about yourself and where does House District 107 sit and why you're running. So I am Shelly Hutchinson. I am originally from New Orleans. Um, I moved here after I graduated from LSU, and I actually moved to House District 107. I've lived here for 22 years now. Um, and House District 107 is, if you're familiar with Gwinnett County, it's roughly the area between Brookwood High School and Central Gwinnett High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly Lawrenceville, a little bit of Snellville. Um, I met my husband in Gwinnett County. We've been married for 22 years. Um, <laughs> we we bought our first house in House District 107. Um, we have two kids, both in high school. One's graduating this year, and I have a freshman. Uh, my daughter's graduating, and my 14-year-old is a boy. Um, I also have a business in, in the district. Mm-hmm. I have a mental health out, outreach center. We, um, we do mental health outreach everywhere. Our services go from basic skill building, like anger management skills, all the way up to psychiatry outpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as why I'm learning, there are lots of reasons, um, particularly what you were talking about earlier, going going year after year to the voting booth and seeing so many people unopposed. And I was frustrated every year. In fact, I used to write my name in. I would never vote for the incumbent. So I got one vote every year. I would just write my name in. I knew it didn't mean anything. It was just my little protest against not voting for uh, an incumbent that wasn't challenged. But after the 2016 election, um, I withdrew from social media, from everything. I just felt like I had to think about, you know, are we going to leave the country? Are we going to, because something drastic is going to have to happen. My son is 14. He's about 5'10", and with his afro, he's about Mm 6'3". He just got his learner's permit. 
And I am terrified, and I have to give him the talk about, you know, make sure you don't make any quick moves. Be respectful to police officers because I don't want to see my son on the news or, you know, the worst thing happening to him. And as a mom, that's a horrible feeling. That's a horrible feeling. And I hate that all black moms with children and not just boys, because I had to give that talk to my daughter. I hate that we feel that way. So. Yeah, House District 107 is a small district, but I feel like this is at least what I can do right now. I love so, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And and as a mom, our, my kids are right behind yours. I have an eighth grader and eleventh grader, a daughter mm-hmm. older, and a son. And I feel you. So my son is about. I think he claims he's six feet now, and he has his little <laughs> standing up, so he might be exactly right. But no, I absolutely understand <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. considerations and concerns. So um, I, 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 like I said, and I said this to you before we got started and I'll say it again. And I know you say you don't feel this way, but like, I really do feel like it's courage to stand up and say no more, not another cycle, because even if you didn't do it before you're doing it now and you're, 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 you're paving the way you're working, you're a mom, you're doing all this other great stuff. You're a shining example for those of us coming behind you who might consider, not me, I'll just be here on the support and <laughs> yeah. everybody else up, but for all the amazing people out there who want to, you know, do more and do better. Um, so what are some of, when, you're, when, you're, when you've been out in the district um, and, and just really focusing on, you know, not just issues that matter to like you and your community, but just thinking about the state as a whole, what are some of the issues that have really like jumped out as points of focus for you? Um, um, across the state, across everywhere, um, traffic, transit, I think, um, no matter what side of that you're looking at, whether you're somebody who needs transit to get to a job or you're the one that's sitting in traffic for hours and hours, I, I don't travel downtown every day, but I have a peach pass and I had to go downtown this week and I got in the peach pass lane. It was $12 to get into the peace pass lane to get through the traffic. Nobody has $12 a day to wow. get to rush home. Right. That is a lot. And you know, I, can, I can't imagine if I would have you know, gone downtown in traffic how much both trips would have cost me. But literally, we're looking at people with resources actually have more time with their family. I mean, that means I have to have money to spend time with my family? Something about that is just not right. Um, and in the area in Gwinnett County, we, we, we promote ourselves as family friendly, and we are. You know, I, I love Gwinnett County. I love the school system. I think we've been wonderfully successful here. But I live a half a block away from four grocery stores, and I cannot walk mm. because the street is so busy, and people are flying up and down the street. There's no sidewalk. I tried to walk my dog. My dog stopped when we got to the street, like, Mm-mm, not going to do this, because my dog can sense the, the danger of walking. I think if we could, I think we're at a point where we can, I know we're not as compact as New York, but I think if we Think like New Yorkers, like, okay, what can we do that does not involve a car? Bike paths, um, sidewalks, 
I think it could also help with childhood obesity. I mean, I when I was a kid, my mother would send me to the store to get whatever. I can't do that with my kids. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, this is a, a great place to be, but if you don't, if you can't afford transportation or, you know, $24 a day to get in a peach pass lane, yeah, that, that does something to the family, the family unit itself. It has so many implications. Um, and I've also knocked on doors where people say, don't you bring transit to Gwinnett County. I think it's, um, some part, somebody told me that I think it's a good thing that you have to be able to afford a car to live in Gwinnett County. Oh, wow. So I think transit, you know, that's, it's a big, broad term, but I think it, it has a lot of implications. You know, what we could do if we weren't just sitting on traffic or if we weren't afraid of traffic. Um, every day, I mean, there's a new accident every day. I was just passed one 30 minutes ago on Scenic Highway. It's, it's awful. And I think if we put some real effort into it, we could, you know, solve a lot of issues. Um, it could help the environment. I think that's one big issue. Um, not my only issue, but one big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Medicaid expansion. I work in mental health fields. Um, and one thing that people, I tell people that shocks them, um, there's, if you have a child who is killing animals, setting fires, and has no empathy, which is like the triad for a baby serial killer, for lack of a better word, in the state of Georgia, we are ineligible to work with them. That, that, that disorder is called conduct disorder. And the child with conduct disorder is not seen as a diagnosis that's treatable in the state of Georgia. So we literally wait for them to kill somebody before they can Medicaid expansion can, yeah. And we have been, unfortunately, we have had some former clients who have done that. We have two that um, went on to kill somebody. Um, if we had more, if we can expand Medicaid and expand mental health services, just mental health services, not to mention all the other physical health services, but I'm just, if, if we can do that, if we can do preventative mental health or earlier treatment, then we may not look, be looking at a, a, a child that we know is showing symptoms of a potential killer in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately the type of kids that we see far more frequently than people think. Interesting. Um, I, I agree with you too. I mean, that's, a, that's a interesting. We usually don't talk about this side of it when we're talking about Medicaid expansion, but I think mm-hmm. issues with un, untreated mental health, I mean, that mm-hmm. really is a serious conversation, especially when we're talking about, you know, um, some of the issues going on in some of our communities and some of the conversation, other conversations we're having right now. That is with gun control and, and in absolutely. the that is something that comes up, but no one ever really digs in deep to talk about the issues like you're like you're connecting mm-hmm. it. I, I love it when we can have that connection across issues, right? They're not standalone islands unto themselves all. dealt with. Um, but but the Medicare for all, I mean, obviously has has implications across the board. Uh, or Medicaid expansion in this instance has has because we have not had it yet. There's still the what ninety ninety percent federal dollars that can be drawn on down from yeah. for the for, for, for Georgia residents. I know 
in our own family, like my mother and one of my sisters would actually be eligible for expansion um, and mm -hmm. struggle without, you know, health insurance, um, you know, because there's a, they're just the, the gap, the coverage and gap, the gap coverage. Yeah. Um, the coverage, yeah. I'm messing up my words, but yeah. So because, and because we didn't welcome that, um, we, we didn't welcome the exchange, so we don't have competition between managed care. So my husband has worked for SunTrust for 26 years. We spend a thousand dollars a month for health insurance because there are no options. And not only that, well, we have a deductible that we rarely meet. So we're spending a thousand dollars a month. And we're basically paying out of pocket for any health care because we never meet our deductible. So it's 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 it affects every Georgian. It affects what you pay now for health insurance, and it affects people who have no health insurance. This could be I mean, this that is a game changer if we can get that done. Right. And somebody, when you mentioned earlier about how you know the the issues across subjects. I was at um, a gun sense rally, um, and the question they were asking the panelists or all candidates, uh, how would you make our schools safer? And, you know, I know some have suggested arming teachers and, and um, metal detectors in the schools and all that. And I, you know, I, my answer is, I think it, when I go to a school, mo many schools in Gwinnett County, they are already on lockdown. You mm -hmm. cannot get, the only door you can get through is the front door. Some schools are very strict, some aren't. I think we could make make those those doors stay locked. But the problem, the problem is not access. The problem is you have a mentally ill person coming, trying to do the most amount of harm. So if you lock down the schools, that's not going to get rid of the problem. They're just going to go to the nursing homes. And if you lock up the nursing homes, they're going to go to a park. If you lock up, you know, we, we keep chasing this problem, but the bottom line is these are mentally ill people who are armed. And they're going to, they're going to make a statement whether you lock up a school or not. And personally, I don't want my children, I don't think a child can survive in a police state. And if you give a, a teacher a gun and have them walk in metal detectors every day, that means a police state. That is not a healthy, nurturing, learning environment. Right. Right. And that's a good point about schools now because I know like we're, we're in Atlanta public schools and I know when we go, when I go to either of the kids' schools, I have to make sure my face is like in the kids' right. showing who I right. am because they won't open the door otherwise. Exactly. And and you still have to stop at a desk or something. You still can't. Mm -hmm. You still can't. Right. And show your ID and sign in and all that. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think the problem is is more security at the school. We don't need. We do not need teachers to have guns because, you know, not I I have the some of my best friends are teachers and I think that they are angels sent from above because I could not do that job. But not everybody has, not every teacher is wonderful. And you're going to have one or two that might do something awful with the gun. Because mental health doesn't skip teachers. Right. So, we've And we've already seen a few incidences, like, immediately after Parkland with teachers who had guns at school. 
and you know mistakenly going off or other things going on too. Right. so like there's a whole host of other issues that are not even being considered with people who are like yeah 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 armed teachers it's just like there's so much um that would need to be not even be discussed it just shouldn't it should not be discussed my mom's a teacher and it's just like to expect teachers to have this extra layer on top of yeah. everything else they do as well and you know conversely it's just it's just insanity um in some ways and thinking about just the way people are are just trying to resolve and respond to something that if we look mm -hmm. at gun control if we're looking at like you're talking about dealing with untreated mental health issues if we're looking at like other things socially that we can actually address and handle besides saying you know putting a gun in teacher's hands is the answer i mean we might seem see some better uh uh you know, steps going forward than, than yeah. potentially creating a more dangerous situation for, for our children. Absolutely. I, I think, I think locking down the schools and arming the schools is the absolute wrong direction. Mm -hmm. um, the bottom line is we, I mean, you see it with terrorism after nine 11, nobody's going to blow up a plane right now, but they'll do something else. They'll go into a, a, um, a club and shoot up the place. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna find something else to do. And if you lock up the club, they're gonna throw you leaves. I mean, they're they're gonna find something else. It's not that's not the issue that we're talking about. Right, right. So, in thinking about this, as you as you, I know you mentioned that you've kind of been hearing it on different opinions about like transit, for example. But what are some of, when you're at, when you're out and you're making a case because you were just saying that the seat has been uncontested, you know. What is the response? Like, what are you getting from the district when you're over the course of the campaign as you've been on the ground that you're really out there making your push? So the, my predecessor has never met his constituents. I've yet to meet anyone who knew his name. When we first started the campaign, I said, I will give you $20 if you can tell me who your representative is. So after months and months and months, and nobody knew, even when I told them who their representative is, the name did not sound familiar. And he represented this district for 16 years, and his name doesn't even sound familiar to people. So first of all, they're just shocked anybody's at the door at all. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lady today, I wasn't even, she wasn't even the lady, the person I was looking for. And I introduced myself, I told her I was running for office, and she said, you're the first politician to ever knock on my door. You have my vote. <laughs> and I don't even, I don't know what side of, if she changed the side or, or what. She just said, you're the first person to ever knock on my door. You have my vote. So I think just the fact that I'm there is, is shocking to people. The fact that I am a minority and a woman, they're like, um, are you sure you want to do this and for that time? And when I talk about how diverse this district is, we're a majority minority people uh, district, mm. and people are surprised to hear that. People, the the general thought is that Gwinnett County is bright red and it's not, and it's definitely not in House District One of Seven. Um, Hillary took this seat by almost twelve points, but again. The seat was uncontested, and that was why I was saying I don't feel like I don't feel courageous. I feel guilty that I didn't do it before. I I went in that booth every year, and I saw this. I saw all these uncontested seats every year, but it took this 
Trump madness to actually get me to do something. I, I feel like I should have done this a long time ago. Well, we're glad you're doing it now. And I think that's, I think what you said, I think two things that I just, I just heard you said, I thought was really important is about the uncontested seats. Um, you know, when people don't have options, you know, it's just okay, whatever, either they give up and they, or they're not going to engage in a vow or they're just going to check who, for the box for whoever's there. Um, right. But the other thing I heard you say is like, you know, this is a majority minority district and well, well, the county as a whole. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just red when you have these areas that just because it's been voting a certain way, when you really start breaking down, looking at the number you start looking at the trends and stuff and population and who's eligible to vote. If you're not actually investing the time and energy to turn people out and really make a difference, you're not going to see a different result. So I think it's good mm. that you're getting out there. Even like, again, even if you're like, Oh, I should have did this a long time ago, you're doing it now. And that's what counts and matters. And being on the ground, it's interesting. I can see, I can see gerrymandering. Because House District 107, the majority of it are working class families that tend to vote more liberal. But they always include like one or two relatively wealthy neighborhoods that not only vote to um, to the right, they vote in more numbers. So it's almost like, yeah, we included this, this majority minority district, but we're going to put this really red, high turnout vote, really Republican neighborhoods in the district. But I think what they weren't counting on is, you know, people who have money sometimes vote for Democrats. And, you know, Democrats are not all for. So they're coming out to vote. I think um, statistically we out, Democrats outnumber Republicans by a lot, by a lot. But they vote more. They vote. They vote mm-hmm. more frequently, and they vote in numbers. Mm-hmm. If we can just get out who we have to vote, this is it, it's it's a game changer. And that's that's our message: is we need you to get out and vote. Because if everybody would have voted in November, we would be having a totally different conversation. Mhm. Mhm. So. Agreed. If 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 we got out and we we actually leaders, but but in thinking about so and thinking about getting out there and talking to folks and you're making your case for you know we need to get engaged and get involved. Let's say you know things go as we're planning on them going, you know, and you win, and we are you know at the beginning of next you know legislative session. What do you see yourself really looking to get into, like, like really be able to to hopefully help further or push? What are some of you, the things in your legislative agenda that you're really hoping to help, you know, make a big difference on? We talked about Medicare for all. Um, I hate yeah. Medicare for all, but but Medicaid expansion. Yeah, all all of that, all of that, all of the above. All of the above. Um, but what are yeah, what are some of the other other the other priorities for you? You know, day well, not just day one, but you know, over the course of your tenure. Um. Well, I, I can tell you one thing that uh, I've no, that I notice every year, our legislature um, hears an attempt to make an English-only law that English is the only language allowed mm-hmm. in Georgia, which to me is horrible and so insulting to the 
the diversity that we have in Georgia. And every year fails, but every year somebody puts it up for, for a vote, or at least suggests it. And what, what that does, what that does is it tells our children it's okay. It's, uh, if we keep entertaining things like that, it tells our kids that it is okay because we have some legislatures that think it's okay to disrespect other cultures, ethnicities, people who speak different languages. So not, I'm not so worried that the bill will pass. I'm worried about the tone that set. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing I would like to do is come out really strong on these discriminatory bills, like the one um, in the South legislative session that wanted to discriminate against LGBTQ families adopting. Yeah. I've worked for, I've either worked for DFACs or as a contractor for DFACs for 20 years. There is, anybody listening to this, I would like for you to Google my turn now. My Turn Now is the state's website for children who need to be adopted, who they have not found adopted homes for. And it is set up very similar to when you're looking for a puppy at animal control. There's the picture, a little bit about them. You know, sometimes it has their diagnoses. And it's over, it's, it's, I believe it's over 200, 200 kids. So, not, I mean, even if you're not, you're looking at the the disrespect, the the ignorance. I will say the ignorance of what you know or do not know about LGBTQ families. You mean to tell me you are going to take another resource away from these 200 plus kids who need an adoptive home? You're not replacing them with anybody. That it, it breaks my heart to go on my turn now to see all these children that we've got at home. We should be recruiting adopted homes, not restricting them. Right. And the whole uh, discriminatory policies against LGBTQ community, that's a whole different subject. But I think even though that bill failed, again, it sets this tone for our kids. Somebody who they as an educated person can't said out loud that it's okay to discriminate against somebody. Right. It's okay to disrespect somebody. That sets the tone for the children of Georgia saying, oh, see, well, Representative such and such is, says it's okay to discriminate. It's okay. So we'll never end that cycle if we can continue to entertain these things. That is one thing I would, I would like to set a different tone in the state legislature they i am yeah i people who follow sports will understand i'm from new orleans my husband's from georgia if we were to remain married we cannot talk about professional football (laughs) so (laughs) we are not a sunday work for you guys (laughs) yeah no we we are huge atlanta united fans we love atlanta united okay love them and the state of Georgia loves them because they're generating revenues they are I they are a hot item in the world of soccer and soccer is exploding mm-hmm. but 
half of the team does not speak English. But you're going to introduce an English-only bill? I'm pretty sure you probably voted to have them in come into Georgia. Oh, but then wow. you're going to disrespect them when you get when he, they get here. The coach, the head coach doesn't speak English. The head coach does not speak English. But the state of Georgia entertains an English-only bill every year. That's to me the height of her, of hypocrisy. Agree. You vote, and, and when you really like, I, I, I'm sorry to inject, but I really like what you just said about how it's about changing the tone and what's tolerated. And even though this mm-hmm. does get shot down, it's still the fact that there are people who are constantly pushing an agenda that undermines just basic human decency. And they exactly like with the English only bill, it's also built on conjecture that's not even grounded in fact. Right, yeah, throwing yeah. something out there and getting people hyped up and riled up, but it's not even actually based on anything that's because the whole thing about oh, people's driver's licenses it's like it's one portion of a driver's license test that you mm-hmm. have minimum English proficiency to take anyway. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just based on so much fallacy, and really all it does is fuel hate of the unknown or hate of absolutely. The unknown. So, I really absolutely. do appreciate that you, you're making that a strong stance that you want to change that tone and address even what you were just talking about with the adoption um the lg mm-hmm. anti-lgbtq adoption bill that was another right. hateful piece of legislation and we've seen the massive pressure you know come down on these things but still it's the fact that why do we keep having to have the, the same conversation every single cycle <laughs> when every single cycle we have georgians who need health care for example yeah we, we, we actually have real business to be taken care of in terms of the state and interest. I mean, education. Um, we 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 have issues with school funding, which you know this year finally there was you know restoration of funding. But still, there there are so many issues that should be occupying um, our representatives and senators their time. But unfortunately, they spend time on this stuff, um, and it keeps exactly. from serving the people. Yeah, and and there was a lot of legislators that had to really go to bat to knock that stuff down. So we are using our resources. I mean, we, we pay our representatives to be there, and we're paying them to keep us from moving backwards instead of moving forward. And I would, I would love, I think, you know, I'm one voice, but we have a lot of candidates, a lot of great candidates now. I think the, the more we have numbers that are more progressive and more tolerant, um, and inclusive, mm-hmm. we'll see that tone, that tone soften or go away completely. Would would be the best um, the best option. Uh, but just to um, just to demand basic respect for people, the fact that that's high on my priority list is a little sad. But I mean, at, you know, it's coming down from a national level. This tone of of um intolerance the tone of racism um xenophobia whatever all the phobias all the isms it's coming from the top and that is hard to beat when your kids are watching on tv you know that when your kids are watching the person in the white house talking about grabbing women's genitals and it's okay I remember when that story hit, my neighbor 
my across the street neighbor, put up a sign for Trump the very next day. And she has a daughter. And I'm thinking, so you're, you're validating. You're valid, and you're showing your daughter that it's okay to be violated. Because that's what that told me. Right. You know, I, we had, most people sat down with their kids and said, this is not okay. It is not okay for a woman, for anybody, to be grabbed in a place where they don't want to be grabbed. That's basic. But we, but as a as a nation, everybody who voted for him and the fact that he is in office validated what he did. Mm-hmm. No punishment, no no consequence. He was he was rewarded, really. So you know we have a lot of restoring to do. Just just basic dignity and respect. I like that basic dignity, dignity and respect and restoring. Um, that's like the type of framing that you usually don't hear from people who are either currently elected officials or seeking elected office. But I really appreciate that framing and bringing it back into uh, building community, not just mm-hmm. in our immediate neighborhoods, but also as a, you know, the county and the state as a whole, because mm-hmm. that's what we need to be able to move everyone forward and not just a select few. Absolutely. Because I, when I talk about dignity and respect for, you know, those populations that are not heard, disrespected against, LGBTQ, African-American, whatever group you belong to that's not respected in any way, um, it's just, it just, it brings us down as a country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It brings us down. And um, I think part of it is, you know, I'm, I'm a social worker. So uh, I'm, I'm trained to to uh, come from that res- that perspective. Um, I was also I was raised Catholic, um, and I'm not super religious. I have I will say, but I think that if you're raised in a family that showed respect for your neighbor and loving your neighbor, which is I think basic amongst all religions, but you know, my family believe that you know you love your neighbor, and that's if, if I took if I took nothing else away from being Catholic, I took love your neighbor, mm. and I'm still Catholic. But yeah, you know, I think that that's something everybody can agree on. At least I would hope they can. Right. So it's 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 hard for me to hear a legislator first say I'm Christian, then introduce a bill like the English only or the anti or anti any group. It seems like, you know, the hypocrisy, the contradictions, it's just, it's, it's um, maddening. Maddening is a good word. And it's something I can't even reconcile in my, in, in my thought process. Like, you know, what, what are you listening to if you're, if Christian is the first thing that comes out of your mouth, but you can't love your neighbor? I know atheists. I have very good friends who are atheists who love their neighbor. That's mm-hmm. not every. That's something everybody can believe can can get behind. But when we get to when we get to a place where we're making laws, when we're doling out money and contracts, that's when we start having a problem. So hopefully, at least from 
my office, that tone will be changed. I like that. I like that. So tell us, I know you have an event coming up this weekend. How can people yes. get involved? Where people, what can people do to help? How can people find you? So um, our website is www.shelly4georgia, and it's the, the word for, not the number four. Um, and then send your to our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But we are having a cookout free for um, or anyone who wants to come. It's at Ronald Reagan Park um, in Lawrenceville. It's near the corner of Bifolks, Chickam, and Ronald Reagan Parkway. And it's from 11 to 2. Uh, we're going to put a sink of the mire. And after that, we're going to do some canvassing. We need volunteers to canvas. We need um, volunteers to the phone bank. Um, donations are always helpful. Um, you know, any way you get involved, I, I can say that my time knocking on doors and getting to know people has been fun. To meet people, to hear their story, not, not every single door has been fun. I have had some slammed in my face, but mostly to hear people and particularly people who have never been heard before is rewarding. It's a lot of fun. Um, so people from I don't I every at the end of every day, I go knock on doors, and I have fun doing it. Um, I like meeting my neighbors. Um, it's a totally different atmosphere than, you know, isolating myself in the house when I was raising my kids when they were little, and our neighborhood didn't have many little kids, so mm -hmm. we didn't have close friends that were neighbors. But now I feel like everybody's my neighbor, and we all have so many things in common. And no matter what, what type of neighborhood I'm in, whether it's the most wealthy or the least wealthy, they, we all have the same concerns. We want our children to be happy, healthy, safe, and successful. And every, every culture, every race, every neighborhood wants the same thing. And that ties us together. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me. I appreciate it because I know evenings sometimes can be like family time or downtime. So thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate to seeing, uh, you know, what happens in the next few weeks. I'm rooting for you. I am like really excited. Like I have, like I said, I've already been like, had already been like peeping and looking. <laughs> okay, I need to find time. I need to find time to try and reach out. And then to find out two two guys that I respect very much are actually already working with you, that was just icing on the cake. So um, hopefully I can actually even, you know, get out there too. But, like, good luck with everything. And I look forward to being touched too. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you.